0: Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the word of God. Go into our lesson today, and as you well know, I have mentioned to you last Sunday that last Sunday was our last teaching on the subject of prayer. We have been teaching on prayer for the last three months. We looked at it from various angles. We looked at the Word. We looked at the various kinds of prayers. And I know you, you perhaps, if this is the first time you heard such teaching, you may need to go back to the teaching and do your own research and study on the subject. Now, that is why we've recorded all of the messages. They are all on our website, and you are free to go and download it or listen to it at your own time. But today, we're going to open a new can of beans. Today, I want to be teaching you about the anointing within the ministry of the anointing of the Holy Spirit within the believer. But before I do that, I want to give you a little background on why I have chosen the topic or the subject of the anointing within the believer. Jesus spoke extensively about the anointing of the Holy Spirit within us, leading us, guiding us, teaching us, comforting us, and helping us in our journey of faith. But as I was fellowshipping with the Lord a few weeks ago, while I was still in Cyprus, and conversing with Him about the direction of my teaching on these webinar sessions, I asked the Lord an important question. The question I put to the Lord was this, Lord, what is it that we... uh, mostly need at this present stage of our walk with you? What is it that we need to be taught? What is it that we need to learn at this stage of our spiritual journey with you? And when I asked that question, immediately the Holy Spirit answered with these words. He said to me, that the Word of God needs to come alive in those you teach by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, he said, the letter of the Word must become spirit and life to them and in them. The letter of the Word must become spirit and life to us and in us. Then he went on to say that the words that I speak to you, Jesus said so in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 63. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Then the word of the Lord went on to say, teach them to recognize, to honor and obey the anointing of the Holy Spirit within them. For this same anointing will guide and lead them into all truth. So, immediately I understood what the Lord was saying to me, and I understood the direction He wanted me to go in our teaching sessions. I knew that the Lord was referring to the Word of God, the written Word of God, becoming alive in us by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain something here. The Lord has given us the written Word, the Bible, the one you hold in your hands. That's the written Word of God. In the Greek is called the Logos, L-O-G-O-S. That is, the written word of God, in order to unveil and reveal to us the living word, which is none other than the Lord Jesus himself. So the Bible, the written word of God, has been given to the believer and to the world in order to reveal the living word, and the living word is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who applies the written Word of God to our situation and breathes life into it, revealing and unveiling the living Word, is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you take the Word on its own without the anointing of the Spirit, it is a dead letter. Amen? You will never be able to fathom nor understand. In fact, you will think that the Word of God contradicts itself unless you have the anointing of the Spirit explaining, revealing, and unveiling that written Word. Now, no one can handle the Word of God without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If they do they will minister death instead of life. It's important for us to understand that. When I say minister death, I'm speaking about spiritual death rather than spiritual life. In uh, 2 Corinthians, I want you to find that in your own Bibles, chapter 3 and verse 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, said the following. I want to give you a bit of time to read that from your own Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 6. Let me know. Raise your hands if you're there so that I can read. Thank you. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is what Paul said by the Spirit, who also made us, referring to himself and to the ministers of the gospel, sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Notice, what the Holy Spirit revealed to us through this epistle that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He says, God made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Let me me explain that a little bit. The knowledge of the Word of God must be equal to the knowledge of the Spirit we have within. I'm going to say that again. The knowledge of the Word of God we have must be equal to the knowledge of the Spirit within. We must know the Word, but we must also know the anointing of the Spirit within us. Let me give you an example here, and I'm sure some of you have run into people like that. Some know the Word of God very well, but they do not know the Spirit. They can quote scriptures with chapter and verse, pretending to be very spiritual, but in reality they are void of the Spirit. The Bible says that the devil also knows the word of God. I mean, he quoted that word to the Lord Jesus. Remember, in the days of temptation, when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, the devil himself quoted Scripture to the Lord Jesus. But it was not done by the Spirit. So you have a lot of people who go around quoting Scriptures and showing that they know a lot of the Word, but they are void of the Spirit. They do not know the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that has been given to us to lead us into the Word of God. Now, such folks are very dangerous. Why do I say that? Because they can kill you spiritually speaking. They can actually minister death to you. Any time anyone ministers the Word without the Spirit, instead of ministering life, they minister spiritual death. You come away from the presence and you feel condemned, you feel inadequate, you feel fearful, you feel unworthy many times, and many times they make you feel so unspiritual. Are you listening to me? The Word of God ministered to us by the Holy Spirit, will never, ever bring such emotions or thoughts or feelings to you. The word ministered by the direction of the Spirit within will always edify us, will always build our faith up, will always encourage us, and will always minister comfort when we need to be comforted. Amen? Amen? It's important for us to understand the difference. And that's why I'm taking time to teach you about this. Others, again, on the other hand, they boast that they know and they follow the Spirit of God, but they have no knowledge of the Word. They're not grounded in the Word of God. And these folks are deceived Not only they deceive themselves, but they lead others into deception as well. Amen? We need both the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Too much Word without the Spirit, we dry up. Write this down because it's important. Too much Word without the Spirit, we dry up. Too much spirit. Without the word, we blow up. But having both the word and the spirit, we grow up. Hello? Amen. So we Amen. need we need to have both the written word of God, but also the life-giving spirit of God. Now, the spirit of God... Or the anointing within, as John calls him, was given to the believer for the purpose of leading us and guiding us into all truth. Yes, Hayden?
1: All
0: right. Too much word without the Spirit, we dry up. Too much spirit without the word we blow up but having both the word and the spirit we grow up. Thank you. So, I'm saying that the spirit of God was given to the believer for the purpose of leading us and guiding us into all truth as Jesus said. The Lord Jesus in John's Gospel chapter 17 in his prayer to the Father he said that God's word is truth but we need the spirit of truth to guide us into all truth. That's why some people they take scriptures they misquote them they take them out of context and instead of building up and edifying people, and equipping them, they minister death to them. So the Word and the Spirit are in perfect harmony, perfect agreement. Some in the body of Christ have been led into deception because they have not paid attention to the Word. Now why do I say that? they would insist, listen to this, that the Spirit led them to do certain things which the Word of God is not in agreement with what they are saying. In other words, these folks, they don't know the Word, but they claim to have been led of the Spirit to do certain things and make certain decisions. But if you examine those things that they're doing, you will find that the Word of God contradicts them. Let me give you an example. And this happened not once, but a number of times in the body of Christ worldwide, where a minister would say, well, you know, we've been having so many problems with my wife, you know, in our marriage for years. And finally, the Spirit of the Lord just led me to uh, to just divorce and to and, and the Spirit of God led me to this particular person and told me that we are to be together. And he ends up marrying his secretary or the worship leader and all of that. Now, that was not the Spirit of God who said that to him. Because the Word of God contradicts and disagrees with such statements. Are you listening to me? The Word and the Spirit are in perfect harmony and agreement. Now, violating foundational principles in the Word of God and insisting that you are led by the Spirit to do so is deception in the highest form. The Spirit would never lead you to go against the Word. And the Word would never lead you to go against the Spirit or the character of God. So we need to have the Word and we need to have the Spirit. The knowledge of the Word that we have must be equal also to the knowledge that we have of the anointing of the Spirit within. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 calls the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. Amen. The word is the sword of the Spirit. Amen. So when we minister the word either to ourselves or to others, being led by the anointing of the Spirit within, it becomes a sword that battles against the forces of darkness. It brings light, it brings liberty, it brings encouragement, it brings edification, it brings correction, and so on and so forth. So we must have both. Having said that, let's go now to the foundational scriptures that I will be sharing with you. From 1 John, chapter 2, we're going to look at two verses. The epistle of John, the first epistle of John, chapter 1, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 2, verse 20. 1 John, chapter 2, verse 20, and 1 John, chapter 2, verse 27. Let me know when you're there so that I can proceed. All right. Thank you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says the following. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And then in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. Very revealing scriptures concerning the anointing of the Holy Spirit remaining and abiding within the believer for the purpose of teaching, guiding, encouraging, helping, and instructing in the word of the Lord or in the Lord's ways. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need teachers in the body of Christ. Of course we do, or else God would not have placed them within His body. But even when an anointed teacher teaches, it is the anointing that takes the word that is taught and applies it to you and teaches you. Amen? Amen? Not only that, but if, for instance, someone brings a doctrine or a teaching, that is deception or heresy, the anointing within you will discern what is truth, what is lie. In other words, it will bear witness with your spirit that this is the truth or will raise the alarm within you, "Uh uh-uh, this doesn't sound like the truth of God's Word. That's why it's important when we are taught the Word of God, regardless who's teaching it, we must do our own research, like the Berean believers, examine the Scriptures, whether it is so. Amen? Amen. We are not to blindly just follow without doing our own research and our own study. Some Christians are very lazy when it comes to that. Amen? But that is why the Lord gave us the anointing of His Spirit within us to enlighten us, to guide us, and to open up the Word and explain it to us in a way that no human being can. Now, the Greek word for anointing is the word chrisma. Can you say that? chrisma? That's it. That is the Greek word for anointing. From where we get the word Christos. Can you say Christos? Christos. Not Christos, Christos. Christos. Yeah, Christos means it is the word for Christ. Now Christ is not Jesus' last name or surname. The the word Christos, or Christ, means the anointed one and his anointing. Did you get that? So the word Christ in the Greek language means the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one, and his anointing. God the Father anointed Jesus with the anointing of the Spirit. To anoint someone means to smear, to splash over with, to immerse into. That is the literal meaning of the word anointing. What John is revealing to us here in the above verses of Scripture is that the anointed one, that is Christ, and his anointing abides and remains within the believer. We need to believe that and we need to become conscious of the anointing of the Spirit within us. If you have been born again by the Spirit of God, whether you have been baptized in the Spirit or not, that anointing remains and abides within you forever. That is a good place to shout hallelujah. Now, as a result of His anointing or His indwelling presence, we know the Bible says all things. Why? Because He knows all things. Well, but you may say, well, I don't know all things. Yes, your mind doesn't, but your spirit does because the anointing of the Spirit dwells within your spirit, not within your mind. Amen? Amen? The anointing, John said, the anointing teaches us concerning all things and leads us into what? All All truth. A-L-L. All truth. So the anointing of the Spirit will guide us and lead us into the Word and reveal to us all truth. Praise God. Now, Paul also confirms that in his epistle to the believers in Colossae. He writes to them in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Look that up in your own Bible, Colossians 1 verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Let me know when you're there. All right. This is what Paul says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now let's, let's read that in the Greek, for instance, which is the anointed one and his anointing within you, which is the hope of glory. So that anointing is not a thing, is a person. The anointed one and his anointing is a person. It is the person of Christ living within the believer by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not there to hitchhike. He's there to do a job. That is why the believer has no excuse. Oh, you say, but... It's so difficult, this Christian life. Well, Jesus said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because He has come to live within us and live the life that we ought to live if we trust and rely in Him and on Him. That is why Paul said in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ But nevertheless I live, yet not I, he said, but Christ now lives within me. And the life that I now live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Amen? Amen. We walk by faith in God's grace who has graciously given us His Spirit to depend upon, to help us in every situation in our lives. No matter what we're facing, no matter what challenges, we should always turn to the anointing within and consult and converse and have a conversation with Him. You have a question. It's so much easier to ask the Spirit within Amen. God wants us to get to know the anointing within in such a way where we have an intimate, ongoing, growing fellowship and relationship with the Spirit within. Amen. Are you there? Amen. Now, Paul is saying to the church in Colossians 1.27 that we've just read that this mystery was hidden from ages and from generations that is gone past. But it is made known to us now, known to the Gentiles, which is the anointed one and his anointing within us. Now he calls that a mystery. You know what a mystery is? It was a secret, deep secret, hidden secret that was hidden. This was God's plan all along. That is why Jesus died, shed his blood, rose again, went to the Father, presented his blood to the Father on the mercy seat so that we could be forgiven, we could be born again, be cleansed by the blood so that we could receive this divine mystery which is the anointed one and his anointing coming and living within the believer. So God is not far from us. He's within us by the anointing of His Spirit. We don't have to shout so He can hear us. Amen? Amen. He can hear your every whisper. And He wants to answer your every question. All we need to do is get to know Him, get to understand how He works, how He ministers, and understand the way He communicates with us. Amen? Amen. Now, every believer who is born again by the Spirit of God has the capacity and the ability to be personally taught Taught personally, you have your own wonderful teacher living on the inside of you. Have you ever stopped to think about that? there's no excuse for saying no, I can't do this you know when i When the Lord instructed me to feed spiritually feed those that I have led to the Lord, I said, Lord, which church do I take them now? I'm not a pastor, I haven't been to seminary. I don't know how to do this. When I put that question to the Lord, immediately the Spirit of God used the verse of Scripture. He applied the word to my question. And the word, the written word He gave me was, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That's all He said. He used the word to minister to my question. Amen. 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 I just remembered an incident now that, um, that, that, that bears, I may have mentioned it, but it bears repetition. In the early days of his training, Pastor Michael uh, was faced, he wasn't a pastor then, he was just my helper, my assistant. He would run around and, and help me out with various things, with worship, with opening up, locking up, setting up chairs, doing all those things. And um, he had an opportunity where he received an offer from a traveling company to, to be a guide. Am I right, Michael?
1: That's right.
0: They wanted to. They want. They were offering you to be a tour guide, right? To take children,
1: yeah, on holidays all over
0: Europe. Take people on holiday all over Europe, and he was very excited because he loves traveling. And so this opportunity came up, and this offer, very attractive offer, came up to him. So he comes to me and he asks me, Pastor, what do you think I should do? Thank God, I had enough sins to give him the right answer. I said, why do you ask me? Ask the Lord. The Lord is your Lord. You go ask Him. What does He think about that? And Michael, would you like to tell us what the Lord said to you by the Spirit?
1: Well, I went and I prayed about it. And uh, having been on these tours before, not as a leader, for to a guide, I was, I've been on them as a, you know, just somebody on them, I know what happens on these things, and uh, so I went to pray to the Lord, and he, he took me to the scripture where it says, uh, I can't remember the reference exactly, maybe you can help me, here we are, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any." Another version says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And I knew that God said to me, he wasn't going to tell me, he wasn't going to make a decision for me. He said to me, Michael, you can do whatever you want. This is legal for you. This is not a not, not sinful to do this. Uh, it's lawful for you. You're welcome to do it. But is it beneficial to you? Is it beneficial to you in your walk with me, in your journey with me, where you're at currently in your life? And if I was very honest with myself, I had to admit that it wasn't wasn't to to the benefit of my spiritual development. In fact, it would probably have been uh, to the detriment of my spiritual development. And that's why I made the decision not to go.
0: Amen. Thank you, Michael, for that testimony. You see, I would have never thought of that. (laughs) I would have just told him, where do you want to run away now? You stay here. You know, (laughs) and, and that's what we do so many times. But, you know, we need to point people to the Lord, not to us. Amen. Because if you lead people to you, they're going to come to you with every little thing. And your ministry and your life will become a heavy burden trying to be God to all these people. Hello?
1: Amen.
0: We need to point people to the Lord. If they are born again, the Spirit, the anointing is within them, point them to the Lord. Tell them to ask the Lord. What does He say to you? What does He want you to do? I'm not your Lord. He is. Amen. Hello? But notice what the Spirit did with Michael. He took a verse from the Bible, from the written word, breathed life into it, and ministered it to the situation and to the dilemma that Michael was facing. And when the Spirit ministered that word, Michael was brought to a realization and he could make the best possible decision, and thank God he did make the best possible decision. Because I believe if he had not done that, or if he had disobeyed what the Spirit was communicating through the written Word, he would not be in a place he is today. Amen. You know, there are so many choices in life. Every day we are bombarded by choices. What do I do? Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I invest here? Don't I invest here? Do I buy this? Don't I buy this? All of these things that the Word does not give us specific guides or instruction. What you do in a situation like that, you pray and you wait on the Lord. Do I hire this person? Don't I hire this person? Do I buy this piece of property? Don't I buy it? Will I be able to manage such a project? All of these questions can be answered by the anointing of the Spirit within us using the method of the Word to minister it to us. Now let me give you, there are so many examples that I can give you here, but I want to give you one more in my own personal journey of faith with the Lord. Many years ago in Zimbabwe, I was still in business, but I was also doing the work of an evangelist. And as part of my ministry, I was producing a magazine called The Preacher. It was an A4 uh, magazine and contained a few pages, and I would send a lot of these magazines overseas to the United States, to New Zealand, to South Africa. Now, postage in those days would cost a lot of money, and I had a choice. Either I could send them by surface mail, that means by ship, and it would take three months to reach the readers. Or I could send them by airmail, and reach them within a week to two weeks' time. Sending them by email, it would cost five times more than sending them by surface. So I didn't know what to do here. Lord, what do you want me to do? And we must be careful here because sometimes we want the Lord to make the decision for us. God will not decide for you. He will give you wisdom to make the best decision, but He would not make the decision for you. And some people are constantly crying out to God to make the decision for them. God cannot and will not decide for you. Are you with me? Why do I say that? Because God has given us the freedom of choice, the freedom of making our own decisions. Amen? and live with the consequences of those decisions. Amen? Amen. Well, like Adam said, well, Lord, you know, it's this wife you gave me that led me into trouble. Well, God didn't give him the wife. He was the one who said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He didn't have to accept her. Hello? Young folk, God is not going to make a decision for you who you're going to marry. That's your decision. He will present you with a number of opportunities. He will parade them before you, young men. But you have to make the decision because you're going to live with your decision, not God. (laughs) So here I was with this dilemma what do I do and as I talked to the Lord about it the spirit within said to me son it makes no difference to me whether you send it by surface or whether you send it by email I'm wealthy I have abundance but let me ask you a question What is the level of your faith? Can you believe me to provide for you, to send by email, rather by surface? And immediately I said, yes, sir, yes, Lord, I can believe. Well, he said, do according to your faith. That's why we should not imitate people when we hear a testimony, when we hear someone say, well, I believed God and He provided this and that for me, don't try and copy them, but rather go according to your level of faith. You cannot walk with somebody else's faith. You must develop your own faith and walk in accordance with the level of your faith. Amen. So, You know the time is so running by and I think we're we're going to leave it here but I can refer to you, I can share with you testimony after testimony. Like for instance, Lord, what do I teach? I mean, there are so many subjects in the Bible that you can teach. I mean, there are hundreds of topics but the question is, Lord, what is it that we need the most right now? at this present stage of our walk with you. And the anointing with him spoke up. He said, The word of the Lord must become alive in us. The letter of the law must become spirit and life. My people must learn to follow the anointing of the spirit in the ministry and in the use of Scripture. And that's a very, very important topic for us to study and learn about the anointing within how He ministers the Word to our every need and to our every situation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. Did you receive something out of this teaching today? Yes. Praise God. Are we, are we ready to minister communion? <clears throat> Have we got um, the emblems there? So that uh, let's read a bit of uh, a bit of scripture, preparing our hearts to receive communion, and then after that we will receive the tithe. Now, in receiving communion, I was impressed by the Spirit to focus. On a couple of words that Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we usually read and refer to these uh, verses of scripture for communion. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11, beginning with verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. I will wait until the emblems are given out, and then we will comment on these verses of scripture in preparation for receiving communion. Have you found the verse? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. Okay, let's begin to read. Paul, writing to the church, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat this is my body, which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That's as far as we're going to read what I want to examine uh, this morning or this afternoon Is the words that Paul uses in saying, He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, unworthy manner, will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And in the next verse, he encourages us to examine ourselves and so we eat. Have you noticed that? He says in verse 28, But let a man or a woman examine himself. It does not say to examine other people, but to examine ourselves. And after a thorough examination, we eat and we drink the, uh, at the table of the Lord. My question is this, what are we to examine? about ourselves. And as I meditated on this examining myself, I came up with a conclusion. Why do I say that? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, Paul mentions that word again, examine yourselves, he says to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 And verse 5. Notice what Paul says again here. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are Disqualified. So what are we to examine ourselves for? And this is what I believe Paul was was communicating to the believers. Examine yourselves whether you are participating and partaking of the table of the Lord in faith. Whether you are in the faith. Do you really believe? That Jesus' broken body was broken for you? Do you really believe with your heart that Jesus' blood was shed on behalf of the forgiveness of your sins? Do you really believe that, or are you doing that as a religious habit or as an empty form of tradition and religion that we do in church? This is life and death here, because he says, if you are eating and drinking unworthily, meaning what? Without any faith, amen, then you're drinking judgment to yourself rather than blessing of the covenant. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus' body was broken for your sickness and disease? Do you believe that His blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sins? If you believe, if you are in faith, then go ahead and partake of the bread and the wine because there is a blessing in the covenant and in the partaking of the body and the blood of Christ. In other words, for you... It's a living thing. It's a reality. You have experienced a new birth. You have been born again. You have been transformed by the grace of God. You have been washed. You have been regenerated by the Spirit of the Lord that has come within you. You've been cleansed. You've been forgiven. Therefore, I judge myself. That's why further down says, if we judge ourselves, what does it mean? Make a call. Differentiate. That's what it means to make a judgment. Make a call. What is the call that I'm making? That Jesus' blood was shed for the remission of my sins. I am forgiven. I am washed by the blood of the Lamb. That Jesus' broken body was broken for me, for by His stripes, the Word says, I have been healed. I judge myself and decree and declare that I am the healed of the Lord through the stripes of Jesus. If we do that in faith, as we examine our hearts, now, of course, if there's something on your conscience, if there is something that pricks or convicts or bothers you, all you have to do is confess it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I repent of this. Be brutally honest with yourself and with God. I judge this. I put it under the blood, and I ask for forgiveness and cleansing in your precious blood. God is gracious and merciful. Amen? So the examining ourselves that is referred to is that if we are in the faith. And I trust that we all in the faith. Amen? Let's pray. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you. Lord Jesus, you say, this is my body which is broken for you. Thank you that your body was broken for us, Lord, that we are to do this in remembrance of you. We approach your table. We approach your broken body with faith. We believe. We believe that your body was broken so that we might be whole, healed, and restored. In Jesus' name, amen. And in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus words are inadequate to thank you from the depths of our heart for the shedding of your blood that has purchased our salvation. Our sins are forgiven And we have a covenant with you, an everlasting covenant that cannot be broken. We receive this by faith and we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. There's a beautiful hymn that says, What can wash my sins away? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. And finally we come to the last part of our our service today which is the giving of the tithe. In preparing our hearts for that there's a verse of scripture I want to read to you taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 This is one of my favorite verses when it comes to financial blessing from the Lord. When I say divine blessing, financial abundance. I have been standing on this verse of Scripture for many, many years. And the Lord, by His Spirit, opened my eyes to this principle that I'm going to be sharing with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, God is able... Amen. God is, God is able. He's able to do what? To make all grace abound toward you. Are we there? Have you found the scripture? I'm still looking for it. Alright, 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, put your name there, you need to put your name there, that you, you, He's speaking to you. Always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, it will take the anointing of the Spirit within to minister the revelation and the depth of what the Scripture is revealing here. He is saying God is able to make all grace abound toward us. Why? So that we always, not just sometimes, always having how much sufficiency? All sufficiency, not some sufficiency, not little sufficiency, all sufficiency. In how many things? A double L. Notice how many times the scripture refers to A L L. All things, all grace, all sufficiency. In all things, for what purpose? So that we have an abundance for how many good works, how many good works every good, work. every good work. now my question is this, and I ask the Lord, how do you do this, Lord? How is it possible for me or for someone whos who has a job and earns An X amount of money. He's a worker. He earns a salary. He's not a businessman. He just earns a fixed income. Month after month he waits for that paycheck. So that he can pay his bills. He can pay his mortgage. He can pay the the, the rent or whatever it is. How can a person like that? how How can you give us this? How can he make it? Don't you ever question that? Well, I I asked the Lord, how do we do this? And this is the answer the Lord gave me. Now, remember, God provides supernaturally. And we need to understand that our work is not our source. Our boss is not our source. Our source is the Lord. Your business is not your source. Now those are channels that God uses to bless you, but they are not your source. The Lord Jesus is your source. Amen. Hello? Now the answer to my question is found in the word again in verse 10. This is what God, this is a promise from God. Verse 8. But verse 10 tells me how to get to verse 8. And this is what verse 10 says. And now may he who supplies seed, underline that word, seed to the sower, and bread for food, supply and multiply the what? The seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So how does God do that? Verse 10 explains, God gives you seed. And when you apply and sow that seed by faith in God's promise, God, through His favor and blessing upon the seed you sow, causes that seed to multiply. It's like you sow one corn of wheat, how many how many corns of wheat do you get in one bunch of in one kernel or corn? This is the principle of sowing and reaping. And the principle is the principle of multiplication. This is how God brings us to verse eight. Now, you don't get there overnight. That's your destination. That's your goal. Amen? Amen. But you yes. begin with a seed. Every time you give to the Lord and to His work, don't do it out of habit. Don't do it out of a religious um, thing to do. Do it with faith and by faith. Sow your seed declaring the promise of God over your seed. Lord, you said in your word, not only do you supply bread to eat, but you supply me with seed to sow. I am trusting you to multiply my seed so that you can increase the fruits and the works of my righteousness so that I can come to the place where you say I have an abundance for every good work, I trust in your word. I believe your word. Amen. Amen. And never Amen. say anything negative after that. Amen. Are you there? Yep. All right. Can we lay hands on our seed, please? Heavenly Father, we just read in your word in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that you are able to make all grace abound toward us so that we always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance so that we can contribute and bless every good work of yours on earth. Thank you for the privilege of being able to give. And Lord, as we sow this seed into a fertile ground in your kingdom, we believe and we decree that you will, by your grace and supernatural power, cause the seed not only, Father, to grow but to multiply and bring us a bountiful harvest so that we may be a blessing to you a blessing to your ministers, a blessing to the work of the Lord, and wherever your Spirit leads and guides us to do that. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 And Amen. Praise the Lord. And here we come to the end of our session today. A lot of times we do things because it's the religious thing to do. And that's the cause why many times we don't see the result of what we do because it's not done in faith. Remember that in the kingdom of God nothing works without faith. It is faith that causes the word of God to work. It's like electricity in the natural world. When our lights go off, man, everything shuts down. Nothing works. The stove is not working. The fridge is not working. We can't see where we're going. So it is when it comes to the kingdom of God and in the spiritual realm, your faith is the generating power that causes the promises of God to be fulfilled and to come to pass in your life. So, I encourage you, stand on God's Word. Walk by faith and not by sight. Talk to the Spirit within. Lord, teach me, coach me, guide me through this. Help me. You have questions. Go to the Lord, ask Him. Put your questions before Him. He may not answer the same time or the same day. But keep the switch of faith open. You will receive your answers and you will receive the wisdom that you need to walk the way God ordained for you and I to walk. Amen? Amen. All right. you have any questions? Talk to the Spirit within. (laughs) Talk to the anointing within. Amen? So let's close, in, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together this morning and this evening. We bless you for teaching us through your Spirit, guiding us, and thank you for the revelation of the anointing, abiding, remaining, guiding, comforting, teaching, and instructing us from within. Lord, teach us to be ever more conscious of your presence within us. Teach us how to walk with you, how to fellowship with you, how to consult with you, how to inquire of you throughout the day. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your invaluable gift within. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.